Hello and welcome to the Honest Politics Podcast. My name is Alex Gamsik and I am the founder of Honest Politics, LLC. My company does political consult—I mean, <laughs> political research, but not for politicians. My services are for everyday Americans just like you and me. This episode's a little different because I'm feeling under the weather, recording this at the last second. But you got two episodes this month, so I guess it's all fair, all said and done. I'm also not editing this either, um, due to being under the weather and... Uh, I've had a lot of other things going on, so if you'd like to talk about it, you know how to reach out to me by now. But I wanted to discuss my experience working the elections, as I feel like not everybody knows what it's like to work on election day, and I'd like to encourage other people to do it. So here's first how you become an election worker. So elections are not run through the federal government, they're run through states and counties. So I recommend going to your county government, go to their website, find their board of elections. They might call it something else, but something like a board of elections. Find who runs the elections within your county. Contact them. Give them a phone call. Send an email, however they ask you to contact, and say, I'd like to work on the election. Usually, in the year leading up to an election, they'll put out notices and advertisements on their website and all that, so... You just contact them, and they're, in my county at least, they look for bipartisan teams. So you have to be a registered Democrat or registered Republican. Um, You sign up as one of those, and the parties kind of work with the Board of Elections. What happens is they'll contact you. You go to a training. In my case, I was paid to do a two-hour training at a location, but they also had virtual training. I like the in-person because I learn more in person than online. So I did the training. It was a little dry and boring, but they give you this gigantic election inspector manual. They called us election inspectors, so it basically has all the instructions on there and how to actually operate the poll machine, the poll pads, all this kind of stuff, how to set up and take down And then once Election Day starts, at least in New York State, in Monroe County, where I was, you work the full, full day. So in New York State, the polls are open from 6 to 9 in the morning to the evening, but you have to show up an hour early. So I woke up at about 4 o'clock, drove half an hour to my polling site, which was in a rural part of the county, and started my day setting up at 5 o'clock in the morning with people I'd never met before. Um, Usually they try to assign you to where you're located, but since I had recently moved and I didn't really know anybody, I didn't care where they placed me, so I said, you know what, I don't care, you can place me wherever, and that's where they put me. So I didn't know anybody, but everyone was cordial. They're mostly retirement-age folks, And that's a very common thing with election workers because you are working on a day that most people have their other job. Most people are working, so it's not like a lot of young professionals are out there working the polls as well. They're at their other job. So we spent a lot of time actually figuring out how to set up the room, where to put the tables, where to put the polls machines, Um, because you want to have an optimal flow of voters coming in and out of the place. You don't want any log jams or anybody feeling like their privacy is being violated while they fill out the ballot. So once we set up the tables and everything, we used the instruction manuals, and many of these people had been doing this for 30 years, so 
they basically knew it by heart how to set everything up. Um, it's a little nerve-wracking because you have to cut certain seals on the machine to open it up and get it ready. You have to enter keywords and use keys that are provided by the site chairs. I should have mentioned there's the election inspectors, which are the lower level people. Right above them are the site chairs. They're basically the veterans who've done this a few times before, and they're kind of in charge of the polling site. One Republican, one Democrat. Things like setting up the machines, because you're dealing with the machine, it's always done by a Republican and Democrat working together, and you sign off on everything together, like the machine numbers and sticker seal numbers, and it gets very specific. Everything's very down pat. Once all the machines are set up, the tables are set up, you set up the poll pads, which is where you check people in. So instead of having a giant book where everyone signs in, they sign in on iPads, basically. You set those up, and... You know, at 6 o'clock is when the polls open, so you have to allow the voters inside. There was no line, but there were a few people who were eager to vote first thing in the morning, so we had them. What you do at the poll pad is you basically, this is the first thing they see when they walk in the room. Oh, you also had to put up a bunch of signs like, here's where to vote, and here's where you're not allowed to electioneer and all this stuff. So, um, just a side note, I'm sitting outside and it's starting to get cold, so... I'm going to talk a little faster, but there's lots of details I could explain more in person. You could contact me at honestpoliticsllc at gmail.com. We could even have a phone discussion if you want. Honestpoliticsllc at gmail.com to learn more about this. So anyway, you get the poll, you get them to check in once they find where to check in. So you basically check them in on the iPad thing. It's very easy for me to use, but for people who are not great with technology or are not great with using smart devices, it can be a little challenging. Once they're checked in, they get a ballot receipt printed from a small printing device. They take the ballot receipt and it has a number on it. That number corresponds with the ballot they have. Now, why are there different ballots? Well, because people live in different districts. Your state representative, your county court judge, your county legislature, your sheriff, your highway superintendent, all these offices that are important, but you don't hear of them every day usually in the national news and stuff. But they're all very important, and they're all very different. It really depends what street you live on, what house number you have. So they all get different ballots, and at most polling sites, there's multiple different ballots. So... You could be getting, like, Rochester 1 or Rochester 2 or Rochester 3, you know, the different districts. Well, different ballots that have different districts on them, and they're all overlapping and confusing. But you basically match the number on the receipt that you get to the ballot receipt. Then you have to tear off the ballot from perforated paper. And all the ballots are counted multiple times, so... There's no way that a ballot's mysteriously going missing or whatever. They're all counted and labeled. So the voter goes, and there's a privacy area you had set up earlier. Voter fills in the circles using pens that we provide, which provide a stronger signal than regular pens or pencils. And then they go to the machine, 
and the machine was set up by us, so all they need to do is put the ballot into the machine. And oftentimes there might be small folds in the ballot or they might have marked it wrong, so it'll spit the ballot back out and say, you know, something was wrong. And we just tell them, you know, try flipping it over, maybe try putting it in the machine next to you instead. And if there's multiple ballots they're trying to put in, it'll say multiple ballots detected, try again. So, worst case scenario, usually if you put it in a few different ways, it'll go in properly and be counted, and then you give them the sticker and they're on their way. That's the process. There's a lot of things that could go wrong, like if they mark their ballot in a weird or incorrect way. You may have to spoil the ballot, like if they tear it or something by accident. Means you put a big X on it, you write spoil, you check them in again using a special procedure, and then they get another ballot to fill out. If they have somebody who swears they live at this address, but it's just not in the poll pad, you know, like, I should be voting here, but why is the machine not showing that I'm voting here? All this stuff. So they fill out an affidavit ballot, ballot which is basically a ballot swearing on whatever, <laughs> swearing that you should be voting here, and they put that in a piece of paper, and the Board of Elections or whichever government body will research each individual um, affidavit ballot case and make sure that it goes through, um, or they'll follow up with the person and say, hey, I know you filled this out, but you're actually registered over here or whatever. Then there's court order ballots, which we almost never deal with, where you could go to a judge and the judge will grants that the person's allowed to put their ballot into the machine, so we have to follow the judge's instructions and put the ballot in the machine, but I've never had that come up in my two years of working, so. This process continues for 17 hours, or for 15, I don't know. Yeah, 15. So 15 hours later at 9 o'clock is when you start to take everything down, put things away, get the signs from outside, um... And then, again, bipartisan teams are shutting down the voting machines. Bipartisan teams are signing off on how many ballots were used, how many ballots are write-in write ballots, all this stuff, you know. I used to think it might be funny to write in certain things on your ballot, but I've learned that they do have to be counted by hand, and it creates extra work, so... If you do a write-in, like what I do is I don't do write-ins anymore unless I think it actually matters, like there's an actual write-in campaign, because it does get diverted if there's a write-in section, and they have to count them by hand, which is annoying, so once everything's put away, you're good to go, so you don't have to leave right at 10, but that's the suggested time that you put everything away. Now, if it takes longer to put everything away, you might stay later. I know some people who stayed very late after they were supposed to go home because everything wasn't put away properly. The people working were new, all this kind of stuff. So it really depends on your site. But as long as everything gets done properly, there's always a phone number you can call and the Board of Elections will be on standby to answer your calls. If a machine breaks... There's technicians who are on call that will come out and fix it for you. Um, so there's a lot of support, but it is a difficult job. And it's something that most people only do once a year. So it's not like you practice a lot to get really good at it. Um, 
there are a lot of instructions that were given to us, which is nice. But here again, I'm in a certain county within a certain state. It really all depends on which county and which state you live in. This procedure could be entirely different, especially in other states where the polls are not open very long. I know when I was researching, there were some states where the polls are open from 9 in the morning until 6 at night. That's not very long at all. So your poll working experience might be easier. Um, And, you know, I encourage you to do it because it's a good way to serve your country. In my area, you get paid to do it. So it's a good way to make some extra money as well Um, while serving your country. If this is a kind of thing you can do now, if you don't like sitting around for a long, long time, you know, you get breaks, of course, but... If you are very antsy, if you don't like technology, if you don't like a small amount of paperwork, it might not be the thing for you. There might be other ways you can help out. Um, But I think anyone slightly interested in working the election should try it out one year. You know, if you're really nervous, try it out in an off year like 2021, um, 2023. You know, a time when there's not going to be quite as many voters. But I started in 2020 when there was historically high turnout, and I was fine. So I encourage you all to try it out. It's also a way to meet people in your community. So if you want to learn more, contact me at honestpoliticsllc at gmail.com. And I'll speak to you next time as we seek to discover more of the stories behind the statistics.